What's up, Raptors fans? Ben here. This week, the Raptors continued to fight through this cursed season. Even though we were shorthanded, players were posting career highs. We finally signed a center. Is this the answer to all of our problems? Are the Raptors going for the play-ins now, or are we tanking? We're going to break down all of that and more on this week's Raptors Review. This week we are a man down just like the Raptors. Gavin has been struck down by the internet gods. We only can guess what he was doing to deserve that. But uh, we're still going to go ahead with this podcast, get you the content you so sorely need. Uh, So this week we saw the Raptors play four games. Uh, Monday night they played the Washington Wizards. They won 103-101. to Gary Trent buzzer beater to win that one for the Raptors. Feels good to win one of the buzzer. Normally goes the other way for the Raptors. Tuesday night, end of a back-to-back, the Raptors played the Los Angeles Lakers without LeBron or Anthony Davis. They lost that game 101-110, to but it wasn't that close. Thursday, the Raptors played the Bulls. They lost 113-122. to Again, not that close. Another blowout loss for the Raptors. Then on Saturday, the Raptors defeated the woeful Cleveland Cavaliers 135-115, to one of the hottest shooting games I've ever seen for the Raptors. That leaves the Raptors with an overall record of 21 and 32, still in 11th place in the East. Their net rating is going up again, plus 0.5, despite <laughs> despite being 11 games below 500. <laughs> one of the biggest one of the biggest outliers for net differential and uh, and record that we'll probably ever see for this team. So, Ben, what do you think about this week? This was a interesting week. Somehow, without Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. We managed to go two and two, scraping two wins together. I wouldn't have expected that. I predicted 4-0 for this week, but if I had known both our point guards would be out, I would not have predicted that. I would have gone 0-4. Um, so over overperforming from the Raptors, I think, this week. And Malachi Flynn did a good job stepping in as a point guard. Um, so yeah, I was impressed with how we played, even though there was a couple blowouts in there. That's to be expected when you're so shorthanded. So Ben, is it an overperformance or does this say more about the Raptors opponents? Like the Raptors aren't the only terrible team in the league. Like we played the Washington Wizards who were without Bradley Beal. So that means they have Russell Westbrook kind of a scrub at this point in his career with a bunch of other scrubs. And then we also play the the Cleveland Cavaliers, like probably one of the bottom two or three teams in the league. Like, is this is this really an overperformance, or is this just strength of opponents here? Like, yes, the opponents were bad, which gave us a shot to win these games. But we're when we have like eight guys in our rotation, and some of those are Aaron Baines, Stanley Johnson, Yudo Watanabe, and we're relying on those guys, like. DeAndre Bembry's in our starting lineup as our point guard part of the time. It's like we don't we're not fielding good lineups either. And so it's I guess they're more like even matchups and winning some of them feels good because we've lost so many of those coin flip games this season. Maybe it's not an overperformance because, yes, the, the, the schedule was easy this week. Right, right. So let's dive into the games this week. So the Wizards game, the Wizards were up like 10 or 15 points 
most of that game. The Raptors did not look good. Then in the fourth quarter, Russ came into his sort of his prime again and just kept bricking jumper after jumper. The, the Wizards barely scored at all in that fourth quarter. Russ ended up shooting two of 11 in that game. Um, and then obviously at the end, we've probably all seen it, the Gary Trent uh, Jr. game winning three possibly a push off i don't know not really refs usually swallow the whistle for stuff like that hit the three i mean the three is probably the right play there but i think nba players often don't need to take the three when they're down by one like going for the two even if it's a long two is a better it's a better play than the three in that situation but maybe maybe it's not if they're just comfortable with the three more than the long two because they never practice the long two i don't know what do you think there ben yeah I think threes in that situation, there wasn't a lot of time left and he got a wide open look at the three. If he had driven into the paint defenders there, like you said, the refs kind of swallowed their whistles. So maybe Gary Trent got away with a little bit of a push off, although it looked more like a netto flop to me than anything else. But when you drive into the paint, the defender can bump you. They can play pretty physical with you at the end of the game. And so I think getting a wide open look from anywhere on the court there is a good shot. And Gary Trent made Neto pay for that flop. I loved it. Notably, though, getting a wide open look from anywhere is not good. I would not take a three quarters shot if I could take a contested two. So uh, okay. just thought we should clarify that for the anywhere for the within listeners. half court. Sure. Within half. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anywhere, anywhere within the normal spectrum of offense getting an open look from three from long twos wherever it is it's a good look at the end of the game all right thank you ben uh so malachi flynn he had probably his best game of of his nba career so far against the wizards The, the raptors bench really really killed the wizards bench in this game to especially in the fourth quarter to bring them back flynn had a bunch of key buckets he got to the rim a couple times he had a couple shots what do you think about him this game I thought he had a solid game and it looks like he's really coming to his own in this stretch of games in April. Um, He's been getting over 30 minutes a game because the Raptors haven't had any other point guards. Um, So it's minutes by necessity here for Flynn, but he's stepped up and looks a lot more comfortable than he did earlier in the season in the Raptors offense. And the game is starting to slow down a little bit for him where he's made able to use his basketball IQ to make some intelligent decisions. His defense, I think, has been the most impressive part for me. In April, he's averaging 2.4 steals. And you see him a lot of times jumping passing lanes, starting to anticipate where the offense is going and reading plays and getting his hands on balls. I think that's really encouraging. He's kind of stealing some of Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry's power on the defensive end. I think they've done a lot of mentoring him, mentoring for him there um so yeah i think there's been some good growth offensively he's still not shooting particularly well but i think he's taking the right kinds of shots so once those three start falling for him he he projects as a pretty good role player i think what about you aaron yeah i I think he'll be okay he'll probably be more of a career backup guy like he, he's played a few years in college he's a bit older than most rookies yeah he's so 22. you see yeah so you expect him to come in a bit more polished in his game and he is showing that like he doesn't make a lot of mistakes but he also doesn't create a lot he doesn't add a lot so he's kind of just like sort of keeping things as they are kind of player he's not going to kill you but he's not gonna he's not gonna 
make you win games either, which is like you need you need guys like that on your bench if you want to let your stars win the games for you. So, yeah, okay. And if you can if you can stick in the league, that's a good pick. So, yeah, yeah. I'm fine with Flynn. Yeah. So next game against the LA Lakers, like we said, the Raptors kind of got blown out in this game. But what everyone's going to talk about is the altercation that happened. So uh, OG had a breakaway dunk and Schroeder came from behind and kind of like tackled them. One arm around the waist, one arm on the ball. I think OG was a little upset about that. I mean, Schroeder, I don't think it was a dangerous play. Schroeder was kind of like holding him down and didn't let him fall. And when OG did eventually hit the ground very softly, as he came back up, he took uh, he took Dennis Schroeder's leg with him, kind of flipped him WWE style. Schroeder got pissed. All the players sort of ran into each other. They're kind of all holding each other back. Nothing really happened in terms of like altercations. I'm sure words were being said, but it never got above that. And then Fred Van Vliet ran off the bench, was not playing in this game to hold back Gary Trent Jr., who was sticking up for OG and Taylor Horton Tucker. Sort of, he was waiting to check in. He kind of walked towards it a bit and then turned around and walked away. So Freddie and Taylor and Tucker, they left the bench. So they got suspended for a game, which Freddie will serve when he's healthy. Right now he's not. Uh, what do you think about all this? Before we get into the suspensions, OG is a notably non-emotional player on the court. Last season, when he hit that buzzer beater in the bubble against the Celtics, all his teammates are going insane. Mm-hmm. He's his face is still the same. He's just walking back yeah. as everyone's jumping on him. Like this is a pretty uncharacteristic play from OG. I don't think we've seen him do much of this stuff so far in his NBA career. Do we think this was intentional? Like OG is a really strong player. Did he just lift up his arm and Schroeder's leg happened to be there and oh he just didn't goodness. even notice no, 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 it? No, no, is no, he no. that so, strong? No, is he no, that no. strong? It's, as Did he someone, do that intentionally? It's as such someone a weird that, play. As someone that gets accused of like not showing emotion on my face, I kind of have like a very stoic face where like I don't show a lot, whether like happiness or or sadness or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like I think OG feels everything that normal humans do. It just doesn't come across in his face. So he definitely feels anger and frustration and happiness. It just we we just don't get to see it, right? So I think he was clearly frustrated and upset there. That doesn't happen by accident, and definitely so the did flip that. Was intentional. Yes, it definitely was. I don't think. I don't think. I think as soon as he was doing it, he realized that he shouldn't be doing it, and it looked way worse than I think he intended. But yeah, the the ejection is absolutely deserved, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. I, I no question he deserved to be ejected for that. I'm just. I was wondering if maybe it's you know, sometimes players they don't realize their own strength. They lift up their arm. They turn and elbow someone in the face and they don't realize they're there and they've concussed someone. You know, like sometimes these things happen when you're going against petite players like Dennis Schroeder. Oh it's my goodness. like yeah, it's an I elephant don't... and a mouse, but he's not yeah. runner test. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for the suspensions, the Fred Van Vliet one frustrates me. Taylor Norton Tucker as well, but I'm going to focus on Fred because he's on the Raptors. He goes into the scrum as a peacemaker when he's on the bench in street clothes, he's essentially an assistant coach for the Raptors. And I feel like in that role, he was coming in pulling, I think he pulled Gary Trent Jr. away from the fight. It wasn't really a fight, but the the scuffle. Um, and he gets suspended for that. Like when you watch the clip, you're like, really? This is what a player is getting suspended for? And he, lo- he loses salary because of that. So I think 
in total end up losing $130,000 or so, which is more than either of the players involved in the scuffle lose. It's just weird to me. That that feels off. Even though I get the letter of the rule, it just feels wrong. Uh, I, I love the rule. I think this is one of the best rules the NBA has. I think keeping players from even going towards any kind of altercation, even if they have good intentions, is the right thing to do. When when you're having an altercation on the court, you need the, the limited number of referees to be able to get in there and sort it out. Having more players run in there, even if they're even if they're trying to help, is not helping. And I think, you know, if players do have bad intentions, you know, giving them permission to start running and then maybe backing up and not having any penalty for that, I think is, is a bad idea. Uh, we all, if you haven't seen the malice in the palace, you should watch it. Uh, having, having bench players being able to come on the court is a, is a terrible idea. So I, I like the suspensions. Yes. Karmically, it doesn't make sense. Freddie was helping Taylor Horton Tucker didn't do anything. He took a couple steps and then turned around and walked away. Right. Um, and I know a lot of people hate the rule, especially Suns fans. But <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think I think it's a good rule, and I think the NBA needs to continue to enforce it because you know, not enforcing it would be what I think would lead to bigger issues. And notably, the rule does not apply to assistant coaches, so like they're they're free to run in there to break stuff up, and you know, they often do in situations like this. So it's not like you can't have people that that come in there as peacemakers. It just shouldn't be the players. What I really want to see is a brawl between assistant coaches. They just start running in there, start throwing punches. That would be yeah. fun. That would add some spice. Unfortunately, the NBA is a little more, more class than football. So, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. All the words you said there made sense. It still feels wrong to me, but I get, I get your point, and I get why the NBA has this rule and enforces it the way they do. You just like to see a little bit of discretion where. Like, I think because they've set this precedent, you can be a little bit flexible on like, okay, one player ran in. If all the players are running in off the, like off from off the floor into a scuffle. Yeah, that's problematic. But you have one guy in street clothes come in and pull someone away. It's just like, really, do we, do we need to enforce this a hundred percent of the time? Well, but I, I get think your point. There, there absolutely was discretion involved because they got the minimum suspension, right? If they had gone in, with bad intentions like they'd be suspended for like 10 20 games right so so like yeah like i think there absolutely was discretion involved here but you know you still have to apply apply the law in my opinion yeah i'm more in the camp of laws are optional but we can (laughs) (laughs) all right the next game the raptors played was against the bulls like we said the raptors kind of got dominated this game they only dressed eight guys and, you know, they, they were behind all game. They could never slow down the Bulls. But Chris Boucher had a career night. Lots of Raptors are having career nights this week. He had 39 points and 19 rebounds. It was offset a bit by poor shooting nights from Gary Trent with 2 of 14 from the floor and OG Ananobi with 5 of 17. What do you think about this game, Ben? This game, yeah, it was a blowout. But Boucher's night was really impressive, even though there was a bit of empty calories stat padding where when you're down 20 points, it's like the points start mattering less and less and someone's got to be taking these shots, especially with two of your top guys not hitting a lot of shots. But Aaron, I know we've been pretty down on Boucher most of the season, Um, negative Nellies, some might call us, and he's continued to shoot well. 
Um, he's still at almost 39% from three so far this season, scoring at a pretty good clip for a bench guy. Have we been wrong about Boucher? Have we Were we too low on him? Or do you think we still have him accurately evaluated? Well, I think he's definitely like a rotation piece. And scoring is kind of surprisingly his best skill at the NBA level. Like he's, if he, if the shooting is for real and it looks like it is like he, he can space the floor for you, but you have to keep in mind that he has a slow release. He only takes wide open threes. Um, and at the, around the rim, he's like, unless the dunk is wide open, like he doesn't have a lot of strength to power through stuff. He doesn't create anything for anyone else. He's not a great passer. So, like I think, I think if you just look at the stats, you think, "Oh my God, Chris Boucher is he like the third best player for the Raptors this year?" And that's just not the case at all. Like he he belongs in the rotation, but I think I think that's about it. So I don't, I don't know. What do you think there? Is that wrong to you, Ben? No, I, yeah, I I think we still kind of do have him accurately pegged, even though it yeah. feels like we're more down on him than other Raptors fans. And he has these really nice games. And like 19 rebounds is impressive, but in general, he's not a great rebounder and we're the worst rebounding team in the league and it's not really close. And part of that is Boucher and our other big men are just not very good rebounders. He's gets blocks on defense, which makes you think he's a good defender, but he's really Mm. not a great defender. He, He has some decent rim protection as a help guy, but he gets caught out a lot and is generally not in great positions and he's really weak. So yeah, I think a lot of things are, there are a lot of negatives for him, but he has improved as a player and being a real scorer has value. Like you have to put the ball in the hoop to win games. And so his contract is looking fine now. Um, When I, when he signed it, I was like, Oh, it, it costs 7 million to keep Chris Boucher. This guy's been kind of a fringe rotation player, but I think he's playing up to his contract and yeah, a decent piece, but I'm not a piece worth building around by any means like some Raptors fans. Might. Yeah, I think positionally he's kind of limited in that if you're playing decent teams, I don't think he can play the five, which means, you know, a lot of his value goes away if, if he's not playing the five. So, you know, in that way, I think there's a limitation there as well. Yeah. Yeah, and he's very much a black hole, so not improving players around him as well. So it's just the scoring, and if he's not shooting well, and this is one season of shooting, and sometimes players have outlier seasons. Boucher's like 28 now, and so this could just be a career-high shooting performance from him, and if he starts shooting worse, all of a sudden you're looking at a player that isn't very valuable anymore. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see what comes. Yeah, he always brings the energy, though. We've got to give him that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the last game the Raptors played, uh, like we mentioned, was against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Incredible shooting night. The Raptors' first half, uh, we just we were watching it together, and we just all were like over and over again. Another one, another one. It was like DJ Khaled. <laughs> Rack like, them up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they ended the half with 87 points. If I can highlight the Lakers, they scored 101 points against the Lakers. And then in one half, they scored 87 uh, they shot 65% from three. Another career night. Gary Trent Jr. again setting a career high with the Raptors. He got 44 points on 17 of 19 shooting. Unbelievable percentage there. He could not miss. He missed 
well, yeah, I mean, he did miss two shots. He was seven of nine from three, hit all of his two pointers. And those two pointers were not layups. Like a lot of them were were difficult floaters, contested mid-range shots, fadeaways, whatnot. Uh, but you know, he, he couldn't miss. So what do you think, Ben? Yeah, uh, somewhat Clay Thompson-esque performance from Gary Trent Jr. <laughs> I think he had a few more dribbles, but... <laughs> yeah, uh, this was this was a really fun game to watch as a Raptors fan. A breath of fresh air after two blowout losses. It just... And so, <laughs> the season has been so chaotic and random and so many things have gone wrong that it's just... It's nice to have a game that's just like where you vastly outperform expectations. Cause again, we were still, we were missing Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, our top offensive players. And we have this offensive outburst. It's like, no one could ever predict this. It was, yeah. it was absurd. It doesn't Utah, make any sense. Yeah. yeah. Utah Watanabe had a career high in points. Malachi mm-hmm. Flynn had a career high in points. Freddie Gillespie had his first NBA game. So props to him for making it into the league and having a decent showing, I thought, as a first-time guy. He's only 6'9", he's a little small to play center, but I feel like that's probably the position he has to play in the league because I'm not sure he has any shooting from outside. But yeah, great game from the Raptors. Yeah, and uh, kind of a dismal game from the from the Cavs. They look pretty hopeless. Like, I, uh, I don't know, I think we said this before, but you know, the Raptors' opponents this week were, uh, were not the best. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, we got a little lucky in having this run of play and scraping out two wins with the, our top guys hurt. So we'll take yeah. those. So one thing that did happen in that Bulls game is Pascal Siakam was was benched or rested. I think they he was out of the game for for rest reasons. You mean the Cavs game? Sorry, yeah, the the Cavs game. Pascal yeah. Siakam missed because of rest. Um, Going forward, does that mean anything? And I want to tie this into maybe a bigger conversation about the Raptors' direction because they also signed Kem Birch off of uh, off of waivers or as a bio guy from the Orlando Magic. And it's too bad Gavin's missing this podcast because he's been hyping up Kem Birch to me for years, and I know he would have loved to to continue to hype him up on the pod. But what do we think about a the Kem Birch signing, and does it change the direction at all for this franchise? And B is is Pascal Siakam resting? Is that is that a sign of tanking, or is that just a he's he's exhausted from playing all these games and legitimately needs a rest? What do you think? So I'll start with Kem Birch. For people that aren't familiar with Kem Birch, he's a defense and rebounding first center. So he's not going to give us a lot on the offensive end, but defense and rebounding are two things that we're sorely missing from our center position. So I expect him as soon as he's ready to slot into the starting lineup as our center. Or if we play small, he's going to be the first guy off the bench for that center position ahead of Boucher and Baines. Because I think he's just a bit better than both those guys. So that's what we have to look forward to for Cambridge. Having a real defensive center in place this season will feel great, I think. Um, And just to jump in here, offensively, he's probably the best pick and roll big the Raptors have. And, mm-hmm. you know, he can actually finish around the rim like much better than Baines can. So and much better than Boucher as well. So may- maybe that'll be a boon for Kyle Lowry and Freddie to actually have someone to do pick and roll with. Yeah. And Malachi Flynn as well. He loves running pick and roll. So, yeah, yeah all our guards, I think, are really going to benefit from actually being being able to run functional pick and rolls. So that's something to look forward to for him. 
in terms of Siakam being rested, uh, it's it's hard to know behind the scenes. He is still recovering from COVID, and there's a stre- this is a big stretch of games where there's a lot of games and not a lot of nights. And we have a game again on Sunday tonight as we're recording this podcast. There's a game coming up, so they're resting him for the first night of the back-to-back so that he can play the second night when Kyle Lowry is also coming back. I don't know that this is a sign of tanking to me. I think this is probably they know Siakam's body and what he needs right now to get back to full strength. And this is the team being cautious with him. So I think especially with the Ken Birch signing, it's hard to think that we're actually tanking right now. Like, I know you've been on the tank wagon for the last couple of weeks, Aaron. Does it feel like the organization is going in a tanking direction? Because it doesn't to me. No, and the Kem Birch signing to me is is really confusing because the fact that he's a bio guy means the Raptors could have gotten him from for absolutely nothing from the Magic. They could give a like a protected second round pick, and the Magic would have traded him, right? So they they could have done this, you know, as soon as it was apparent that Aaron Baines was a dumpster fire, right? Mm-hmm. If they wanted to be better, so so the timing of this is weird and. I think it makes the Raptors like a lot better if the Raptors can get healthy, like they, they can go on an absolute tear and make the playing game, you know, get the seven or eight seed from there and, you know, maybe give one of the teams uh, like the Nets or the 76ers a scare in the first round. Like the Raptors are absolutely capable of that. But at this point, like, like they, they, the teams that they played this week were really awful. Like if they were going to make a comeback, and the standings like they didn't do that at all and they're running out of time and getting better now is not really when you want to get better because like there's there's a real opportunity to get in the top five i looked at the the ringers sort of odds of getting picks and right now the raptors have like a 25 percent chance if the season were to end today of getting a, a pick in the top five and it's like you lose a few more games and that goes quick that quickly goes up to like 50 plus percent right so like there's a lot of value in losing games right now if you do want to tank and Sonny Kem Birch I think does the opposite. So it's confusing to me sort of how they're playing and and what moves they're making. Yeah, I they the, before the trade deadline I brought up that they could go in the tanking direction but the front the front office and the organization has never indicated that they want to go in that direction and i think there are too many good players on this roster to effectively tank unless we're holding guys out um i just it's weird to you're absolutely right on the kember signing it's weird that it's happening at this point because we've known all season that we don't have a center like why is it taking our front office so long to pick up a center it's it's a bit of a red flag for this front office and they've built up so much goodwill over the past five years. Like Masai mm-hmm. is called the Messiah for a reason, you know? Um, like I don't want to question what they're doing, but that's what you're doing. But I am questioning what they're doing because this season has been a head scratcher. Like so, the, the need has been so obvious for so long. It's like, why, why did it take this long? I, I'm still confused I, as to what I think doing. I can give you the answer here. Okay. okay. So Ken Birch is an unrestricted free agent this off season. 
So I think what the Raptors are doing is if they want to tank, they can always tank. But what they're doing is they're giving themselves a preview of Ken Birch to see if maybe he's the center that they want to, that they want to get as like maybe their backup center. And for next year being like, can Ken Birch be a rotation guy for us? So it's costing them nothing. Mm-hmm. And they can still tank if they want to. Like Ken Birch isn't going to stop that, right? You could you can just rest guys, continue to play Aaron Baines a lot. Like we could we could never see Kyle Lowry again this season, you know, like in term in terms of playing if if the Raptors want to tank. So there's definitely like I don't think Ken Birch stops you from tanking at all. And I think you get the upside of seeing a guy that you were considering signing in the offseason. You get to see what he looks like for you. So yeah, it, it is strange though, and that if they were trying to win, they could have done this a lot earlier. So if they do go on a tear here and they and they end up like losing in the playing game, I'll be very upset because that's sort of the worst place to be. But you know, I guess but, only but time will tell. But doesn't it feel like that's where they're heading? It, it does feel like that, but you know, at the same time, they've lost a lot of games recently, and. You know, yeah, it doesn't look like it's on purpose, but at some point it might be. But so many of the games this season have just been like since the COVID protocols, we've just been absolutely decimated. Guys, we've yeah, we've had our whole lineup for maybe a game or two. Like it's just been such a weird, chaotic season that like Kyle Lowry is coming back tonight. I think the Raptors are, it feels like they're gearing up for a run, but we really, I think we really have to see how these next two games go. If they, if they start, if they lose a few more games, they're just going to be out of it. They won't even have a chance to make the plan. Like right now they're in 11th and they're two games back of Chicago from the, the 10 spot. And so that loss to Chicago this week has potentially huge implications for the play-ins. Um, and the teams above Chicago are Indiana and New York. I could see New York and Indiana are both struggling a little bit, but like how much farther are they going to fall? Like the Raptors have a lot of games to make up. We're 21 and 32 right now. I think we're going to have to have a pretty, I don't, I don't know. We're going to need a bunch more wins and losses down the stretch to actually get into the play-ins. And our strength of schedule is the fourth hardest in the league. Some of that could end up changing with teams resting guys down the stretch and being strategical. Like I think, at the end of the season, when you're trying to win games, there's teams that are tanking, there's top teams that are resting. So you can squeeze out some of these free wins where normally you wouldn't be able to. But we're already kind of at the cliff's edge in terms of not having any hope for getting into the play in. And it still feels like we're going to be trying to do that regardless of what happens. And I doubt, I really do doubt that we go down the full tanking route and rest Lowry, rest Fred, rest Siakam down the stretch. I'm not sure that that's going to happen. So I want to thank you for segueing perfectly into our preview for this week. <laughs> uh, so like, I think the, the first three games on the schedule this week are, are sort of like where the season is going to hinge because we're playing the New York Knicks. That's a team ahead of us in the standings Sunday. Uh, then we're playing the Atlanta Hawks, another team ahead of us in the standings. Both of these teams are pretty motivated to win. They're going to mm-hmm. be giving it their best. And then we're playing the San Antonio Spurs on Wednesday. So that's that's three games and four nights, four games and five nights. 
So it's like these are tough games for the Raptors from like a rest point of view, right? Mm-hmm. The Spurs, they've they've been struggling recently, but they're still in it in the West. Like they're going to be giving it their best too, right? So we're going against three teams that are fighting for everything they have, but they're also not very good. Like none of those teams, I think, deserve to be playoff teams with for how talented they are. So you know, these are all like if the Raptors are are playing well, these are all winnable games, right? But if they don't win these games, like I think. I think it's over for the Raptors. If they go 0-3 through this, their season's done, in my opinion. And then Friday, they played the Orlando Magic, which is just like, that's like playing the Wizards and the Cavs. Like, that team is just done. They're cooked. Yeah, that that should be a free win for sure. I think the New York game, especially it's on a back-to-back, that's a pivotal game because New York is currently eighth in the standings at 26 and 27. But they're a team that has never really felt real in terms of being a real playoff team. They've, they have no offense. They have no way to get good shots. It's just like Julius Randall taking jumpers, which is like, they've been going in a lot this year, but I'm fine with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that, that feels like I'm, almost a must-win game because that's a team that could fall in the standings and potentially be a play-in competitor for us. So we already lost to Chicago. I think we need to beat New York especially. But then, yeah, we need as many wins as possible here because after this week, the schedule gets tougher. We're going to have to play the Clippers twice down the stretch. I think we have two more games against Brooklyn. Yeah, there's a game against the Bucks. Yeah, there's a game against the Lakers, I think. Yeah. So there, yeah. there's definitely some hard games coming down the stretch. So all these teams are beatable and you're absolutely right. I think we need at least three wins this week to remain in the conversation for the plans. I think if we lose two, we're probably at a point gotta, where it's you got to pull the plug after that. It's yeah. mathematically going to be really difficult unless other teams really start plummeting too, which I, you can't really bank on. So, yeah. So with that all being said, sort of pointing out how important these week's games are for the future of this franchise and what direction it goes for the rest of the season, what are you predicting as the Raptors record? I'm going to project positive vibes out there. I've had 4-0 the last two weeks. Haven't been right on either of those been Not very close <laughs> very very wrong yeah so i'm gonna take a more moderate prediction here and say 3-1 which is going to be just good enough to keep us rolling for fighting for the play-ins i think we drop a game to either atlanta or san antonio on that back-to-back well this is actually tough that's a back-to-back against two pretty good teams we could lose both of those and be two and two but i'm gonna say we beat one of them be optimistic here I think we have to beat New York and resting Siakam yesterday was maybe a tactical decision knowing that we would shoot amazingly against the Cavs, that we didn't need Siakam. Lowry's <laughs> coming back this Sunday night against New York. So we're going to have a more full strength roster, even though Fred is still out. We don't know how long Fred's going to be out. He's got a lingering hip issue. So hopefully he comes back at some point this week to give us a boost. I'm going to say 3-1. Aaron, what do you think? You know, I also want to project positive vibes out there. Oh, you're going to go tanking. So I think this is going to be a one and three week for the for the Raptors. Like, I think that the team right now that we saw this week, like they won against two of the worst teams in the NBA. The Wizards game, they should have lost. The Wizards trolled that game. Like, I Scott Brooks is an awful coach. The Cavs, that was just the Raptors being on fire, and then. 
I think going forward, like this Raptors team still kind of blows the, you know, Kem Birch, I don't know how quickly he's going to integrate into the lineup to actually solve the center issues. Kyle Lowry, since the trade deadline, when he has played, has been horrific. Like he's looked like he didn't want to be here anymore with the way that he's played. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, for that though, this toe injury that he's been resting for has mm-hmm. been a lingering all season thing. And so that could have been really affecting him more. And that's why they decided to sit him out to actually get it healed. Before the trade, dead- in before the trade deadline, explanation. Kyle Lowry was playing extremely well. He was magnificent after the trade deadline when, you know, perhaps he didn't get what he wanted. He's been pretty brutal. So I don't know that he's actually going to help the Raptors if he does come back and play and, you know, how good is he going to be? I don't know. I will so I, I think no Kyle Lowry slander. I love Kyle Lowry. <laughs> I know. Um, notably, my girlfriend said that he's the hottest Raptor. So, you know, Facts. good for him. She's got uh, good taste. She does. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think the Raptors are going to lose the first three games. And then the, the, the Magic are just even more pathetic than the Raptors. So they probably win that one. But uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully what, what makes me nervous is that the Raptors so far haven't indicated that they are tanking. They haven't taken any real steps towards that way. There's been no indication that they're trying to tank, even though the record recently has been awful. My fear is that they, they sort of lose enough games where they're out of it. And then they go on a big winning streak and, you know, they, they, (laughs) they essentially can't have no chance of making the playoffs and then also have no chance of the top five. To me, that'd be the worst case scenario. And I'm a little scared that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment by rooting for the tank because I just don't see the organization doing that. I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment by rooting for the playoffs. (laughs) Yeah, we're probably both going to end up disappointed. So, you know, that's how it goes. This is the COVID season is cursed. One Mm -hmm. one final thing before we wind down this podcast that I want to talk about with Lowry coming back and Fred Van Vliet maybe coming back at some point this week what do you see Flynn's role being he's was playing 30 plus minutes every game this week and he played pretty well do you think he still has a solid spot on the rotation like is he going to getting a lot of minutes still are we going to be playing more guard heavy lineups or is his are his minutes just going to be taken by Lowry I think if the Raptors are tanking they will play Malachi Flynn a lot of minutes if they want to win games he will be on the fringe of the rotation okay so you don't think he's earned a bigger role with his play no, this week yeah, absolutely not like the Raptors have not looked good this week they just played terrible opponents like and you know when they played like guys that were trying like yeah like the Wizards team he had a decent game against and but they're they're horrific the Cavs he looked okay against they're horrific like you know the Lakers and Bulls like he's looked pretty non-threatening this year i mean he's a rookie point guard drafted at the end of the first round so anything positive you get is is good but i don't think he helps you win at this point all right so we have established that aaron is not on the malachi flynn bandwagon that's good to know i guess we'll have to see how this week plays out and what he does this week against some more real teams yep all right folks that's all we have for this week as always thanks for listening I know we did get an email this week, but since Gavin got killed by the internet, we haven't, we don't have access to our mailbox. So we'll deal with that email next week. And if you want to send us another email, whoever's out there listening, send us an email at raptorsreviewmail at gmail.com. That's raptorsreviewmail at gmail.com. 
As always, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.